Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is the Scott Squad Podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Chris Toner. We discuss where it went wrong for the old firm in the Champions League this season. The pressure Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is under as Rangers manager. VAR in Scottish football and why it's a positive thing for the Scottish game. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. So Chris, how are we, mate? Yeah, okay. I've uh, got a lot to dive into, so we'll start off talking about Celtic. Uh, not a good European campaign whatsoever for Celtic. Celtic finishing rock bottom of the Champions League group. Uh, where did it all go wrong, Chris? Um, I'd say um, just a case of missed opportunities mostly. Um, even the golfing class, um, we were outclassed ultimately then, but I still don't really think that's an excuse for how the entire campaign panned out. Um, I don't think that's really an excuse for finishing rock bottom. We should be making a push to finish third in that group. Obviously, we all are the class of that group, but um, opposition like Leipzig, no disrespect to them, but you had no problem seeing them off getting into the Europa League final last season. Um, Shakhtar, they're obviously displaced at the moment with what's going on in Ukraine. They're playing out of Poland. So um, given that sort of perfect storm, uh, make a push for third, we should be doing a lot better. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel as though that was a, a big missed opportunity for Celtic. Um, also, when you've seen the, the draw, a lot of Celtic fans were happy. A lot of Celtic fans actually fancied their chances of getting out that group and getting the, making the last 16. But it just went so, so wrong. Like, especially in the final third, Celtic were so, so wasteful in that campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, obviously, the first chance every Celtic fan thinks of the glamour tie that we've been clamouring for years against Real Madrid at Parkhead, that Cal McGregor chance that rattled the woodwork if that had been a few inches the other way then might have been a different game on the night to other people I don't really think so and then but um, certainly other the other games and then obviously look at tonight um, the hammering that we took um, obviously we got a bit of consolation going then but um, the chances were there but as you say it's just so wasteful in that final third um, most of those shots really troubled Courtois they were all just straight at him yeah, yeah, 100%. And when you look at the Leipzig game as well, right, obviously we beat Leipzig to make the Europa League final last season and that was a game, even at Parkhead, that was a game Celtic should have got something from. Celtic created a lot of chances but just couldn't find the back of the net, you know. And that's where I think I can see why a lot of Celtic fans are frustrated because you see what Rangers done last season, right? And then Celtic played Leipzig twice, got beat twice, very comfortably, may I add. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then obviously you mentioned the Shakhtar Dines one. That is, like, I was a Celtic fan about this. He said when you, I think especially the game away from home, he said it felt like a defeat because it was a game where he's played well, created chances, and it was just the same old story for Celtic in this campaign. Just can't score. Yeah, I'd say so as well. Um, obviously, we got goals in both of those games, but um, just again, in case I failed to take our chances and... Um, Jack Powell showed a bit of class and then... Yeah, so how much blame does Postacoglu need to take for Celtic's terrible European campaign this season? Well, as, as manager, he certainly needs to take pretty much all the accountability. Um, I think it was um, his style of play and his unwillingness to drop certain players is ultimately what's came back and bit us in the backside. Yeah, and when I seen the team tonight, I thought it was baffling how Kyogo was starting up front himself. Like he had like no chance whatsoever against that Real Madrid defence. Yeah, I mean, I know it was a meaningless game in the grand scheme yeah. of things, but you at least want to go out and 
make a good account yourselves in the last game of the group, if you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, do you think Jota scoring that free kick is probably the worst thing it could happen to you? Because, because I think you will have some suitors in January. Um, I think even without that, um, well, it was a well-taken free kick and uh, Kirkland, well, the shots didn't really trouble him too much. He did all right dealing with all them, but he'll be frustrated to let in that considering he still did well enough to get his hand to a well-taken free kick. But even without that, I definitely think he's got his suitors. I mean, he is in the preliminary 55-man side squad of the Portuguese World Cup team, so it's he'll definitely have plenty scouting them. Yeah, and you know I've been very vocal and critical of Postacoglu in Europe, where he's not by by him not having a plan B, right? And I feel as though that was pretty much the sole factor what cost Celtic. Where yeah, it's fine and dandy playing that great style of football against the likes of Ross County, etc. But in Europe, I called this a long time ago. In Europe, he was going to get found out, and that's what happened. Yeah, it definitely has. Yeah. But so um we'll move on to Rangers. Uh, we'll move on to Rangers. Um, there's a lot to get into about that. Uh, Chris, I, I know you've got a few questions that you want to ask me about that. So fire ahead, my man. Uh, so yeah, what's your ultimate take on the campaign? Obviously, it mates for Grim Reading. Um ultimately it has turned out to be the worst in Champions League history. Two goals for twenty-two conceded, minus twenty goal difference. Six losses, so I'll let you take that one away, Scott. Uh, yeah, it was embarrassing to say at least, right? Like, I can't sugarcoat it any other way. It, it was embarrassing. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, you need to give it a lot of context, though. Um, obviously, both the old firm have been shocking in Europe this season, right? We've gave a lot of folk down south ammunition to slag our game, even more so, you know. And I can see on Twitter they're having a field day with it, talk sport already put out a clickbait headline slagging Scottish football, you know, even though Rangers made a European final last season, but in West Ham got knocked into semis. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was like, when you give it context, Chris, right, I feel as though Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was hungry to dry. Um, right after Rangers made the Champions League, he hinted at it in his post-match interview after the PSV game that we need investment, we need a, we need a bit more players, that'd be nice. And when you've seen Rangers group, you will admit this as well, Chris, like Rangers are a much tougher group compared to Celtic. Liverpool, they made the Champions League final last year. Napoli, an elite-level side. Ajax, a very good side as well. They they spent, I think, 80 to 100 million in the summer. Um, obviously, they, they, bought a, <laughs> they bought one of our best defenders, Calvin Bassey. You know, so it was clear that he needed investment, right? But when we lost 4-0 to Ajax, um, Gio, Gio came out in the post-match interview and that kind of set the tone for the, the rest of the campaign when he said, we need millions of pounds to compete. I agree with him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let me see how bad the campaign was. Right? It's a big golf uh, when we come up against these teams, you know, in the Champions League. Um, but that set the tone. It was almost like Gio was accepting defeat and that was clearing the players as well. Um, it was just the manner of some of the defeats as well. Like the the two horror ones were Ajax and Liverpool at Ibrox. Um, the one at Anfield, um, Alan McGregor had a masterclass, just still showing at his age that he's, in my opinion, the best keeper in the country. Um, he kept it at 2-0. But the, the, the defeat at Ibrox to Liverpool, there's no shame it wasn't Liverpool, right? Top class side, right? But it was a manner off it. It was a complete capitulation. Um, when Conor Goldson came off due to injury, we just fell apart. Salah came on, scored a hat-trick in six minutes. The, the fastest hat-trick in Champions League history, you know. And yeah, it was, it, so I, it's crazy, Chris, we went from 
you know, play final last year, beating teams like Dortmund, Leipzig, a kick away, a kick away from winning a European trophy to now the, the worst Champions League team in the history of the competition. And um, if you had won the Europa League, we would have been in the Frankfurt's group. And when you look at that group, well, Frankfurt's group, that's with Spurs, Marseille, I think Sport and Lisbon as well. Um, like, yeah, there's no way we would embarrass ourselves um, in that group, no chance. But yeah, I, I think going into that group though, Chris, um, I think I had every right to feel optimistic and confident considering what we've done last year. <clears throat> I made the bold claim that I made the bold claim that Rangers would make the last sixteen. People laughed at me, and I can see why they're still laughing now. But I felt I felt every right to feel. I had every right to feel confident, you know. And um, but yeah, it was it was embarrassing, and uh, it was it was a disaster. And all I can say is now, Chris, thank God it's over. <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Yeah, with how the European campaign's gone, do you think, um, obviously last season, you put all the eggs in one basket in Europe after a certain point of the season and right with so, but do you think it's a blessing in disguise now that the sole focus will be on domestic football? Um, Probably, yeah, because Rangers have been non-stop in Europe for the last like four years, and obviously you've seen last season as well, like after a point, I think it was a point in the season, probably about March time, we started to really focus on Europe. And once you once you beat us at Ibrox 2-1, that was it. It was just full-on Europe at that point, you know. But yeah, I think it might be a blessing in disguise, Chris, because we won't have any distractions. And I'm gutted, though, obviously. We won't. Of course, I wanted us to have European football after Christmas. And I really did want another crack at the Europa League, you know. Um, like, Rangers definitely have unfinished business there, you know. But... Yeah, I think it might be a blessing in disguise where we can really focus on the league, but we have no excuses now. Rangers and Celtic are both in the same position. And yeah, as you said to me in the group chat, it'll make for a very compelling and entertaining title race, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So um, as much as he wasn't backed um, by the board to have a good Champions League campaign, there was a few domestic results that led to Giovanni Van Bronckhorst getting scrutiny. Um couple of poor performances. Um the Dundee United at home game. Um I think they just scrape scrape wins. Don't know but Motherwell win against Motherwell, yeah. The <laughs> Rangers Dundee won nil there a week below and it was just one nil and then the Levy won one game. That was where like, that was the point where you were defending you on your TikToks and stuff. But even at that point, like you knew the Napa game was a write off. Um and then you were like, at that point, we need a response against Aberdeen or it might be time up for Geo. What what was it that made you go from Geo into Geo might have to be out here? Um, well, so obviously I'm not officially Geo out. I've um, defended Geo to, like, I've def- defended Geo so much. Um, but it got to that stage where it's really hard to defend him. Like, um, like, this was obviously before the Aberdeen game. It was getting really hard to defend him. Um, the lovely performance was brutal, Chris. It was shocking, like... I do believe if we had lost that game, Gio would have got sacked after that. I really do believe that, you know. Um, but I also, like, domestically, Rangers have been okay. The two, like, bad ones were obviously losing 4-0 to Celtic at Parkhead and obviously the Livy one. I'm not counting the Hibs one. I feel as though the referee did cost Rangers on that, where Lundstrom got wrongfully, wrongfully sent off. Um, and then, obviously, it got uh, scrapped anyway. It got overturned when Rangers appealed it, rightly so. Um, but yeah, I feel as though like 
it was getting hard to defend them. But the the dark cloud has been Europe, and how bad Rangers have been in Europe this season has not helped not helped Giovanni whatsoever. You know, and going into that Aberdeen game, I said in my TikTok, if we do not beat Aberdeen, he has to go because um, like, if we if we had dropped points there to Aberdeen, right, and obviously you beat Levy, I think it would have been the gap would have been six seven points, something like that. You know, and that would have been quite hard to come back from considering how good Celtic are domestically like Celtic just score score goals are fun they play great football and stuff right but the game against Aberdeen was massive right when 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 they scored early on I was like oh god here we go it's going to be one of these games the atmosphere at Ibrox at that moment was toxic but Rangers responded really well and that was the best Rangers I've played at Ibrox this season Chris we played like the Rangers from last season good attacking football it was it was a joy to watch um, Sakala ripped Aberdeen apart. John Lundstrom, who is playing through an injury right now, bossed that midfield against Aberdeen on Saturday. But yeah, that was massive for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. And I feel as though that did, did kind of like ease the pressure a bit. And then last night against Ajax, it was like, we all knew we were going to lose anyway, let's be honest. And like, it would see the mood in Ibrox last night, it wasn't so much like anger. It was just like, just get this campaign over with. Like, we were just sick of it. Like, you know what, Chris? Like, I'm I'm glad I won't need to hear the Champions League music until next season, mate. Like, I was so buzzing for it. Now I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, with, with how the results have went for both of you, the Pean sides, we've kind of touched on it. Um, obviously, I think it was after your games against Liverpool. Was it Carragher and that were in the studio? Um, having go- it was Rio Ferdinand, in fact, having goes at Scotland, having two Champions League spots. Um, Obviously, for this coming season, this current season won't count until the season after next in terms of European spots. But, um, yeah, I think as a collective, Scottish clubs need to do better next season. It's not even enough really saying hearts are flying the flag in Europe for Scottish football because, um, like, Riga, the Latvian team they were drawn against, like, you'd expect probably even no disrespect to Ross County or somebody like that, but you'd expect a side like that to be able to beat Riga and... Hearts are still at lost games quite convincingly against Fiorentina and Istanbul, as you'd expect. So, as a collective next season, Scottish clubs need to do a lot better. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, Chris. Um, <clears throat> obviously, Rangers uh, got a lot of points in the bag and a lot of credit and respect from a lot of people because of how well done, how well Rangers done last season. And um, but this season, it's just you can see the golf and the step up. Um, and yeah, and Scottish teams have been pathetic in Europe, let's be honest. Rangers finishing rock bottom, Celtic finishing rock bottom, Motherwell getting beat by Sligo Rovers, uh, Dundee United getting battered 7-0, um, Hearts obviously beat Riga, like, as you said, that that's a team that, that Hearts should be beating, you know, and Hearts aren't, aren't still going to, they aren't going to qualify, you know, but yeah, as a collective, we need to do better because we've got the two Champions League spots back and if, Rangers and Celtic continue to be that bad in the Champions League. Um, we won't have them for much longer, that's for sure. Yeah, back to like the champion only need to play three qualifiers in a playoff to get back in. That's the way it's going if like we don't upper act. Um, but I think as a whole, we've both shown that probably without that level of investment, like you need so much money in that to compete, even in the Champions League, the gulf between Europa, like that's the level we're at, that's a whole different step up. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, uh, it's so difficult to compete. Like, with how much the teams are spending, 
Like, and then what we are spending, it's just, it's, it is pretty much impossible, you know. And I, it's safe to say Rangers and Celtic are Europa League clubs. That's the level Rangers and Celtic are at, you know. Um, and I don't think it will ever really change until we get that investment. Um, and if the old firm are down south, we all know this, right? If Rangers and Celtic had the budget of a Nottingham Forest, just think of the things Rangers and Celtic could do with that. You know, if Rangers were down south, give it two or three years, Rangers will be in amongst the top six, no baller. Because Rangers and Celtic are bigger than all 18 clubs in the EPL, apart from uh, Manchester United and Liverpool. You know, but everyone else, so much bigger. Like, the likes of Chelsea and Man City, they have... The only reason they're, like, at the top end is obviously because they're, they're like, been backed with uh, big money, you know. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty difficult to compete. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but 100%. No, but you see, just uh, I want to mention this about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, though. Like, um, <clears throat> like, you see now, though, like in the domestic front now, Europe, no, there's no distraction with Europe now. This will be his real big test now. Okay, like, what can he do domestically, right? Obviously, he won the Scottish Cup last year, but he has to win the league this year. He really does. And the reason I've been such a staunch defender of him is because... Like of what happened last season, making a Europa League final and stuff, and as I was saying, like I do believe they both hung him out to dry a bit, and I feel as though the board were arrogant going into this Champions League campaign, where they thought, right, we don't need to invest. Like you know what, we don't need to give you any more money. Like you know what, like made the Europa League final, we can do something in Europe this season as well. But they hung him out to dry, and for me, <clears throat> um, like the people that need to take the blame for the the sole people that need to take the blame for how bad Rangers have been in Europe is the board in Ross Wilson. Ross Wilson's recruitment process has been a disaster. You know, like we spent five million pounds on uh Yelmas. Um and I'm not denying the boy has talent, right? But we've barely seen him. Um and then he came he started against Aberdeen, got injured in like the first ten minutes or something like that. And it's like that five million pounds could have been spent elsewhere. You know, it could have been spent it spent elsewhere, you know. Um but this weekend though going into St Johnston. Um, don't care how we do it. Um, as long as we get the three points, Rangers need to. I still think there's pressure on Gio, right? There still is pressure, you know. Um, if we like put it this way, right? Rangers have to win the next three games going into the World Cup. Rangers cannot afford to drop any points. I don't care how bad the football is. If Rangers scrape three one nil wins, I don't care. But if Rangers drop one point, right? I'll say this now. This is bold, right? If Rangers drop one point going into the World Cup, right, and Celtic win all their games. I'll find that I think it'll be very hard for Rangers to come back from that and win the league. I really do. Like we're going to concede at full stop there, and we've seen like some similar turnarounds even late in the season. So I thought you were about to say the league's over. So I'd been shocked if you had, but um, yeah, I think it will like leave a bit of pressure off of um, Gio if he does get an hundred percent record in the last three games between now and the World Cup. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like and put it this if we do drop points, so like. I don't see how he can stay on because he is under pressure. The fans are right up to here, like with, with some of his football, you know. But he got a lot. He got a lot of credit for how well we we done against Aberdeen, you know. And like, yeah, he we cannot afford to drop one point because Celtic are just relentless right now. Like they are the team to beat. And right now, I, it pains me to say it, Celtic are the best team in the country right now. They are. Like they are a joy to watch, uh, like the SPFL. Not so much the Champions League, um, no. <laughs> but in the SPFL, Celtic are great to watch. Like, like see when going into that Levy game, 
I was expecting like Davy to get something, you know, because like like Livy do have a good record against Celtic, especially at the Tony Macaroni. Uh, but Livy could not even let a glove on Celtic. It was as soon as Celtic scored, Celtic just went on steam went on to steamroll Livy, you know, and I'm just praying, by the way, I'm praying a team comes in for Jota in January. <laughs> I really do, you know. <laughs> I think it's a case of um when and not after um so he signed a deal in the summer that was to make him permanent, but um, he won't be around forever. So, but if we can hang on to him till the summer, I'll be happy with that. Um, hold on to him for hopefully another successful campaign. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and also we're going to touch on a uh, VAR. VAR's finally been introduced to Scottish football about time. But uh, what's your uh, take on VAR, Chris? And how do you think it's been like handled so far in Scottish football? Um. I- Obviously, it's been a long time coming. I think we were like the last, like, don't know if you want to call us big league, but nearly every other league in Europe pretty much did have VAR already. So it was long overdue. Um, obviously, the Friday night game, um, Hibs and St. Johnson, they didn't go to it, but I think they kind of did like, check it. And then it did see um, Martin Boyle get a yellow card for a dive, but... Um, the flagship All Eyes on Scotland VAR game was the Saturday afternoon kickoff, um, the Hearts and Celtic game, and it was apparent that there was some teething issues, um, and it was a bit, bit of a farce in that game. So hopefully we can only go on from there. Yeah, like that was that was a crazy <laughs> game. Like for the neutral, that was it had it all drama, penalties, VAR controversy. It was mental, you know. But like I, I feel as though VAR has been good. Obviously, there's a couple wee blips so far, but I think that's expected. Like the, I think the only real horror mistake was in the, the Hearts Celtic game, where obviously there was a Hearts got a penalty, right, rightfully so. Then, like moments after that, Celtic should have had a penalty. It was a clear handball from Michael Smith, uh, and I, I don't know how. I really don't know how that was not given. You know, like it was baffling. It was really baffling. You know, and. One thing is that I do find frustrating, I can see where some managers are coming from, and I do agree, is how long the checks take. Like, some of the checks take about four minutes, and you're like, I mean, how long do you need to, like, how long is it going to take, you know? Like, you've got two eyes, God's sake, like, you know, you've seen it, like, make a decision, like, that. Like you see it down south, they make a decision right away, they don't wait, the longest they need to wait is maybe a minute. We're waiting four minutes here, but yeah, I know it is still a work in progress, and I, I feel as though the referees will, fingers crossed, get the hang of it, you know. But I, I feel as though it's going well. Like you seen it at the weekend as well, where Tony Watt got like got his red card, right? But see, if he didn't have VAR, uh, there wouldn't have even been a foul. John beating it completely ignored it. He didn't even acknowledge it was a foul. Went to VAR, red card. But I seen today though, uh, it got overturned, and Tony Watt won his appeal. So. VAR said it was yeah that was a red card but now after the appeal they're like no it wasn't a red card so I don't think that's a good look No, um, just going back to what you were talking about earlier in the episode um, the Hibs Rangers game if VAR had been in place for that game um, how different might that match played on the day oh yeah 100% Rangers would have won that Rangers would have 110% won that and once Rangers went down to 9 men it was obvious that Hibs are going to score like, because they were just throwing everyone forward. Rangers had no choice but to sit back, you know. But, like, yeah, just think how different that would have been. And also, <laughs> how different the 2019 League Cup final would have been. <laughs> That's true. That's true. 
yeah. But yeah, I'm glad it's in uh, Scottish football, Chris. Like, because it's clear as day these referees need all the help they can get because they are, let's be put it whatever, they are utterly hopeless, you know. And yeah, VAR is a good thing. I'm for it. And there is a lot of pressure on the referees and Scottish football for it to work. We don't want to be a laughing stock. Um, like obviously a lot of people look down on Scottish football and we've got VAR now finally even though we've not got goal line technology but that's Scottish football for you isn't it? Um, but yeah like we need to we need to get it right and so far obviously a couple blips as expected but yeah it, I think it'll be good yeah yeah that's for sure um, but <clears throat> also I just want to touch on Chris um, like Steven Gerrard sacked from Aston Villa um, and also in that week as well you know when he got sacked from that team that he was managing in uh, Cyprus. You know, who would have yeah. thought that? In 2020, Steven Gerrard and Neil Lennon got sacked from their respective clubs, you know. But um, what's your thoughts on that then? Uh, Steven Gerrard getting sacked from Aston Villa. It was a long time It was a long time coming in. I mean, I think everyone could see it was going to happen. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I know he was taking the Gamboy's career, obviously, his long-term ambitions. Um, I think it was a little bit... Brendan Rodgers, like it was a move being offered and he had to take it there and then. Um, so definitely a gamble to take and it's one that's backfired on him. Yeah, massively. It's like crazy to think last year, Chris, we done a podcast. I think it was around about this time, actually. I don't, might be a year ago today, actually, it might be. Um, we done a podcast talking about Stephen Gerrard leaving to go Aston Villa. And I was, obviously I was gutted. I was like, because I love Gerard, and you know, and I was like, I can't believe he's going to Aston Villa. And I said in the podcast, it's going to be this is a big risk. I don't see this working out. Um, because Villa, I went for a lot of managers in the past, and like owners of Premier League clubs are ruthless. They, and especially how much money Villa have spent, you know, and Villa's football has been terrible. And it, it does seem quite clear that Gerard is lost without Michael Beale. And a lot of people say that Michael Beale at Rangers as well was the brains behind the operation. Players have said that as well. Kyle Laffey came out and said that. Like he said, he said that he felt as though Gerard was a front man, um, and Beale was the brains behind it all. You know, but yeah, I think it's clear as day. Like ever since Beale went to QPR, Gerard has struggled. Um, and I've been asked quite a bit, like if Gio was to go, would I want Gerard to come back? Um, I might sound nostalgic here, and obviously I have a do. I do have a soft spot for Gerard. I probably would take him back. Um, like I feel like even even when Bill was at Villa with Gerard, like Villa still weren't doing good. You know, I um, it was a big risk. Uh, it didn't pay off. I know with Gerard, the fans are split on him. Like fifty fifty. A lot of people don't like him because of the way he left. I I I, like, I was gutted the way he left. I didn't like the manner of it. You know, but would I take him back? Probably. You know, because he just brings standards, passion, fire. Like he just he has it all, you know, and he expects the best. Um and obviously, like he'll just know he'll know how to get a tune out of these Rangers players, you know. Um but put this way, I don't want I don't want I do not want Gio to go. I really don't, right? I would love it if Gio stayed until the end of the season and he won the league, right? But if he was to go hypothetically, um I would like I would probably like Steam Gerald to come back, yeah. Um but my number one choice would probably be Michael Beale, actually. Michael Beale, yeah. He's doing he's done a great job at QPR. He was at the, the Rangers game on Saturday, so he was. You know, he was, he was in the Loudoun, <laughs> actually. Um, but yeah, like, I don't really... I'm, I've never been Gio out. And, but I do... I know I'm, like, talking about Gio again, but 
I think some of the criticism he's got of Rangers fans has been way overboard. Like, yeah, I, I can see where they're coming from and stuff, right? But some Rangers fans abusing him is ridiculous and it's embarrassing. Yeah, definitely. Um, how different might last season played out? Um, had it had Gerard stayed the season and not went to Villa? Um, right, here's a bold one for you, Chris, right? I believe we might have won the league. I do. I, 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 just, I, I do believe that because uh, de- press, we definitely would not have made the Europa League, that's for sure, because Gerard is like a plan A guy. Um, it's like, plan A, that's it. Um, if you can't, you can't, like, plan B is like, do plan A better. Um, I do believe we probably would have won the league. I feel it was, like when Gio came in, he was still getting used to the team and all that kind of stuff, etc. And I know we did blow that six, seven point lead. Um, but you, you obviously got a lot of points in the bank because uh, of Europe, you know. And I, I do believe that. I do believe Rangers would have probably won the league under Gerard if he, if he did stay put, because he, it took, and Gio had to, it took Gio a bit of time to get to know the squad, implement his style of play, get him to buy into what he wanted to do and stuff. And uh, but yeah, like things might have been different, you know. But taking that away from Celtic, they, they thoroughly deserved, they thoroughly deserved that league last year. They, they were brilliant, like. Celtic like after Celtic lost to Livy, didn't go didn't lose a another league game until this season. That was against St. Mirren, obviously. But yeah, I think the thing it is interesting what could have been if Gerard stayed. Yeah. Um what do you think Gerard's next move is? I seen us on an article which I don't believe for a minute suggested they could take the England job if Southgate goes after the World Cup. I don't see that happening at all, man. Like I <laughs> like it's just just clickbait stuff into it. Like, there's no way Steven Gerrard's going to go to England. Like, no chance. Like, press me, Rogers has got a decent chance of getting an England job. I really, I believe he's, he's fitting, yeah, I believe he could be a contender. Like, because I feel as though, like, he would fit in that environment. I do believe Rogers is a good manager. Um, and I think Southgate will go, um, regardless what happens in this World Cup. Like, if England go somehow and go on and win it, what a way to end your tenure as Rangers, eh, Rangers, <laughs> as eh, England manager. Um, but yeah, I feel as though Rogers would be the hot favourite. I thought I would have thought Graham Potter would have got it, but now he's at Chelsea. Obviously, he's not going to leave Chelsea to go to go to England. Yeah, but I feel yeah, I think and plus as well, Rogers is British, um. So like, I'm not saying that that really has, really has anything to do with it, but I think that would like win over the media quite a bit. Like the fact that it's like because they, I think the English media are quite they like a English person or a British person managing, um, their their uh, country. You know, like yeah, they like that patriotic uh, thing, but that's yeah, like, yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, oh, speaking also because I'm we're speaking about England there, Scotland, England next year, Chris, a friendly. Yeah, it marked the hundred and fifty fifth anniversary, the first recognised international taking place nearly a year later, um, because of the World Cup in Qatar. But um, yeah, definitely glamour tie. It's been tied in with the Scotland home package for the Euros qualifiers. Yeah. And then you'll be going to that one, I imagine. Yeah. Well, we got the Scotland England game. Uh, the two each one were where Kings scored last minute. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Uh, what was that? What was that like being there? Because obviously the atmosphere was incredible. And who shall not be named scored those two free kicks. Um yeah. well, actually we'll speak on him actually. Um I Lee Griffiths he done a, a piece for the BBC. Um, and he was saying that he thinks he'll end up having to retire because nobody wants him. Yeah, I just think the way he's conducted himself the last couple of years, um, 
he's not really getting to blame but himself. Well, the chances he's had, he's had all the best support and he's kind of just threw it back in the each of the club's faces every time. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy to think, though, five years ago, he scored two brilliant free kicks against England, right? Hamden was, the scenes in Hamden were incredible. Five years on, yeah. he's thinking about retiring at the age of 32. It's when you just look at that, I think that he's a perfect, I think that's a perfect example to young kids, like not to, don't end up like Lee Griffiths, where it was clear as day he had all the talent in the world. He could have went on and, he, to be honest, he probably could have went on and been a Celtic legend if he, like, kept the head down and wasn't acting like an idiot. And now, even Celtic fans don't want anything to do with him. Like, all the great goals he scored for Celtic, all that kind of stuff, Celtic fans don't even care anymore. They just don't want anything to do with him, you know. And he's only got himself to blame and zero sympathy for him whatsoever. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they're available on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Also check out my TikTok account, Scott Bradley X, where I speak about all things Scottish football related. Until next time, guys, take care and we'll see you soon.